Welcome to We Gotta Talk, a live weekly talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. From health to relationships to alternative lifestyles and more, the one thing you will always get is a deep dive. I'm Sunny, a 15-year veteran of TV news, freelance writer, blogger, mom of three, and wife. But most of all, I'm just a die-hard oversharer, someone who's genuinely curious about, well, everything around me. And I can't wait for you to join in on these conversations that I promise will impact, inspire, and entertain you. Now, let's talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome to We Gotta Talk, the show where we dig deep on big topics. My name is Sunny Abada. I'm so, so glad you're here for today's episode. I want to offer a trigger warning right at the top of today's episode because we are dealing with some very intense subject matter. We are covering the very difficult topics of infant and child loss. So if those things are difficult for you to hear, this is your heads up that we go into detail on those subject matters throughout this episode. Today, I have the honor of talking with Noelle Moore. She is the founder of The Finley Project, which is a nonprofit dedicated to helping grieving mothers who have lost their babies. When we initially set out to discuss this topic, I thought we would be able to cover this all in one fell swoop, in one longer episode, but I realized this is an incredibly difficult and nuanced issue and in addition to speaking with Noel, we have on board two mental health experts who deal with infant and child loss with their patients on a regular basis. And I thought we would divide this up into two episodes so that we can really, really give time to not only Noel's story and the story behind the Finley Project, but also dedicate a great chunk of time to speaking with experts who can help us wade through the difficulty of the topic itself. So as I said, Noelle Moore is our guest for today. She is the founder of the Finley Project. And the Finley Project essentially makes it their mission to help women who are grieving the loss of an infant or young child, specifically those dealing with pregnancy loss at 20 weeks and beyond, all the way up to the age of two. Here's what's interesting about the Finley Project. They have their unique seven-step holistic healing process. You're going to hear all about it. And the different part about their program is that it addresses things during the grieving and healing stages that I personally have never seen addressed before by other nonprofit groups. So I'm really anxious and excited for you to hear all about how they approach, holistically approach, the process of grief and healing. Recently, the Finley Project put up an Instagram post that said, in part, quote, every mother has unique pain. Every mother's story matters. Each story has its own complexities. And that really speaks to the work they do to heal mothers and to really meet each woman where she is. So while we, of course, discuss Noelle's own experience with infant loss, we also discuss coping and growth. And I say growth because as you'll hear in this episode, Noelle is a woman of incredible grace and strength. She not only walks us through her own personal story of loss, it's very candid, it's very raw, it's very real, but she also opens up about what her healing process has been like, how she says it's not perfect, it's still happening, and how she hopes that the work that she is doing with her group can help other moms who have been touched by this specific type of loss. So it is my hope that this episode is a source of information and solace for women who have endured this pain 
or maybe even a resource for anyone who knows a woman who's gone through this. As I said, we will be bringing in two mental health experts in next week's episode where we'll discuss the healing around this type of loss. But in this week's episode with Noelle, you'll hear her own personal story of healing. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Noelle Moore. Noelle, we're going to start with you. The Finley right. Project um, is is your group. It is your nonprofit that's been running for years now. Um, tell us about the story behind how this got started. Sure. Uh, thanks again for having us. And um, anytime I get to share about my daughter, it's it's truly an honor. So thank you so much. Um, Finley, um, like I said, was my daughter. And uh, I kind of call it like the trifecta, Sunny, in 2013. Uh, my dad, who was my best friend, he passed away suddenly in February of 2013. And then five months later, um, I was admitted into a hospital and uh, it was full term. It was a happy day. And um, unfortunately, some things happened where uh, Finley uh, suffered an accident and um, she ended up passing away 23 days later. And uh, also during that time, uh, kind of like the third leg of that, that trifecta, my husband chose to, to leave. And so basically in 2013, in a matter of six months, I dealt with my dad passing away and then Finley dying and then my husband leaving two weeks later. I mean, that you're, that you're standing, that you are not only standing and doing better, but also contributing in a massive way to helping other people is, is absolutely astounding, Noel. And as an outsider hearing that, I like want to reach through and hug you, yeah. um, but I've met you in person and you, you carry a, a sense of strength and presence about you. I'm sure it wasn't always like that, um, but I can only imagine how difficult that period of time was. Yeah. I mean, it. I wasn't even the same person then as I am now. And to look back to see over the years how far I've come, it it's a uh, it's a little daunting to think through. Like I cannot even believe that that was my life. Are, do you do you have the same experiences? I've heard many people who've experienced trauma, and, and the traumas that I've experienced, I kind of look back retrospectively and feel this. Um, it's not that you look back and feel that you were numbed or maybe it was you found a, a source of strength you didn't have when you look back on that period. And so much has grown since then, i.e. the Finley Project and all of the mothers that you've helped in the meantime. Um, but what do you attribute your survival to? Was it spirituality? Was it gumption? Was it what got you through? Uh, that's a that's actually just, that's an amazing question. Um for me because it means so much like it's so loaded like that my answer to your question is going to be very loaded um you know as a person of faith my entire life when when she died my faith went out the window actually um and so for me it was having to rediscover who i am now that this has happened to me and that was hard like that was so hard because the identity that was put on me wasn't the identity i signed up for Mm -hmm. And um, so I've had to kind of like chisel away at like all the things I thought I stood for to figure out like who, who I am now. Um, and eventually I, I started leaning back more on my Christian faith and essentially looked at myself and said, you know what, if I'm going to believe in seeing her again in heaven, then I need to believe in the faith that I've always had. Um, and so that's it was just it was really a matter of like just taking off the layers and trying to figure out who I am now. I have to be honest, I don't know how you maintained 
faith and how people in any tragedy maintain faith. And I say this as a practicing Catholic, and I, I really identify with that feeling that you must have experienced where a good God could not let this happen. When you hear someone say things like, God still loves you, things happen for a reason. Do you cringe now, the Noel, eight years later, or do you say yes to that? I, I think for me at that time, I was so angry. That was the last thing that I wanted to hear because how could a good God take the only thing I ever wanted, which was a daughter or a child. Right. But now I actually just said this to somebody yesterday. I have seen this woven story so subtly over the last few years that I know that there's something behind the scenes working. And so for me, it's God. Like I've just seen this, this thing happening in, in ways that, we could sit in for days and talk about it. Just tell me what you've seen. Tell me some of the signs or or flags you've gotten that have shown you you're on the right path. I would say just the different opportunities, even actually meeting you, Sunny. It's just crazy how like things come full circle. Like I feel like seeds have been planted and then now they're coming to fruition and they're very subtle. And so I feel like God's been lining up the right people in my path this whole time to ultimately be able to make a greater impact. You are making an impact. And I encourage anybody who is watching or listening to check out the Finley Project's website, which is beautiful, but very, most importantly, very much speaks to your mission of um, connecting with mothers, um, watching the video testimonial and seeing the work that you do. You have a step-by-step -step sort of program, how you help mothers through infant loss. It is, um, it's an incredible source. And the people who are speaking on that video all have said, you know, like you're speaking about how people have been woven into your life, um, how they ended up knowing about the Finley project through you or through a friend or through, I mean, seeing the impact that you're making on women, even just in this geographical area alone has got to feel pretty amazing. You know, I love when my heart just, just is overflowing. When I look at a picture and I can see these women with all different faces, all different shapes, all different sizes from different parts of our community, like in a picture, because to me, that's what this represents. It's like just connecting these pieces together because ultimately like the commonality is it's not just the grief, but it's the actual hope mm -hmm. because that's what I see. I don't just see grief anymore. I see hope. I see, I see these women in such different ways now. What do you tell those women having been through this and having been a little farther down in your um, reflection and recovery to help them find that sense of hope, which as you just said a few minutes ago was, was missing for so long. I think what I speak to and what I encourage women is, you know, you have to figure out the meaning for why this happened, whether it's to make you connect with different people, whether it's to start a nonprofit, which is super hard, whether it's there's something in there that you as an individual are supposed to learn. And that's a hard pill to swallow, Sunny. Like that's a very hard pill to swallow. But I've seen women that heal like in the greatest ways accept that challenge. Mm -hmm. I think people who are listening to this, I know as a mother myself, I wonder, do you heal fully? And how does that look eight years down the road? Wow. I was just, uh, I was, I, I journal every day and I was kind of writing about this, this part. Um, and there's a section of my life when I think back through of the last eight years, that's really hard to talk through because it's not, there's no bow on it. 
It's mm -hmm. not ever, it's never ending. I don't, there's no beginning and there's no end. You don't just step over it. You actually like take it with you. So that's what I'm learning. I'm learning how to like take it with me, where to put it so that I can continue through the rest of my life. Um, so that's the main thing I think I've learned and would challenge, tell other women mm -hmm. in earlier loss that it's never, it never goes away. I've heard, I've heard that and experienced that with various forms of grief too. Like it, so I read something somewhere where someone said it's, you don't ever lay down the burden, but it just becomes lighter and it becomes part of you. It becomes part. And I thought that was a beautiful way to sort of honor the losses that you may have felt or that we may have felt while still acknowledging that, that growth is possible, but you know, it's, yeah, it's it, every, every day I'm sure can look different in this process for a mom who's experiencing this. Yeah. I think, you know, this whole thing about grief is circular and it, you know, it looks this way and then it goes this way. I throw that out the window. You, I mean, it could be here one day, you could be over here one day. I don't think there's an actual real process because I could, sometimes I feel like I did as a, as I did eight years ago, there are days when it's so overwhelming that I thought I was past that. Mm -hmm. So we just, you never know how it's going to hit you. What have you done to recover, to rest, to recharge? What does, what does your recovery look like? If you're comfortable sharing, and that could include yeah. anything from therapy to daily rituals that you do, how does it look for you? You know, as somebody that was super busy before this happened, I thought that that was going to be the cure all for me was to like go and do and, you know, get out there and go out to dinner with friends and stuff like that. But I was actually challenged by a counselor that I saw and they said, you know, your self-help is actually just being, just stopping and being. Sometimes, sometimes you try to go and do something, which ultimately is not helping. It's just one more thing to do. Um, so for me, it was really about being at home, being alone, journaling, painting. I took up painting again. Um, and then my counseling is what saved me is getting and taking those feelings that were so ugly and like so raw and getting them out. Like I had to. Do you have a relationship with the same therapist um, from when this started or has that evolved to include other sorts of modalities too? Um, well, and for me, I, I had a, actually a male counselor at that time. And the reason that was important for me was because I was going through a divorce at that same time. Mm -hmm. I felt this connection with the male. I wanted to hear his take on things. Um, and then like, uh, simultaneously, Sunny, I was going to massage, like getting massages, which was a tremendous benefit for me. Like that was one of the only times I didn't cry. It was one of the only times I could rest. Um, my mind was calm. So that was something I was doing back then and still do actually. Have you then switched to a female therapist? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So once I was trying to, I had to try to figure out what to deal with. Oh, you know what? With, yeah. That's like, that's a lot. It was a lot. So it was either like, do I deal with a loss? Do I deal with this person who I loved leaving me? Like, and so then when I felt like I was kind of able to put some tools to that divorce, I then tried to focus more on the loss itself. Um, and I switched to a female. If I could be so candid, it takes a special kind of jerk, Noelle, mm -hmm. to do what that person did to you. And I know I should be coming at this from a place of non-judgment. Yeah. But I feel like I want to strangle that person. And I don't even, I don't even know him. Uh, um, 
the interplay, and I'm going to talk with this, uh, talk about this with both Jenna and Chris, who both have experience in psychotherapy, but um, experiencing, I'm sure, the intermixing of anger, grief. Did your therapist, and again, we'll talk about this from a clinical perspective in a few minutes, encourage you to tackle one of those feelings at a time, or how did that look? One of the things, if it's okay for me, just to talk quickly about the relationship, you know, part with men and women, right? Sunny, this would be my advice for anybody that's going through a loss or like trauma, mostly loss, because that's what I can speak to. But for one thing I would say is allow people to grieve how they need to grieve. And men and women grieve so differently. And so looking back, I wish I would have allowed him some more space to grieve. Not That's not justifying what he chose to do. But I've seen it time and time again where women are forcing men to feel away, forcing men to talk, forcing men to do such and such. And sometimes they just need they just need space. So that's just a tidbit on, on that side. But as far as the anger and all of that stuff, for me, my emotion was anger. That was my primary emotion. Um, and we really had to dive down into what where that came from. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was the injustice of how she died. And then it was the injustice of being left. Yeah. Yeah. There's many layers. And Okay. So let's talk about that. Do you feel that, you know, continuing that talk therapy in particular was the most impactful thing for you? And I want to get into the Finley project too, and how you bring those types of resources to other moms. If you were to look back and even as your recovery continues today, what do you think has been the single most helpful thing in helping you process all of that? For me, you know, I needed obviously the counseling, which I'll touch on, but for me, I needed to see and know somebody that had gone through something similar mm-hmm. that can stand and say, like, I made it and you can too. I had mm-hmm. a hard time finding that. And yeah. So unless you, when you reached out, did you find that many women had experienced this? It took a while to find those people. But let me tell you, when you, when I uncovered that, like that stone, people yeah. were coming out like in, in droves. Oh, I bet. Let's talk about the Finley Project and and what it is about this. You call it a seven-part holistic way to heal that makes it unique Mm -hmm. to other programs. Um, What is it about this program and how does it start for people who might be in need of it? So the Finley Project started, actually, it was only supposed to be counseling. So this topic today is really important to me because the intentionality behind me starting this was to get women into counseling. Like I'm sure the people listening today know how expensive counseling is. Like the average person cannot afford sessions. So imagine you don't have the financial means, plus you've now gone through this trauma, plus you don't even know where to go for counseling. There's just so many things that could be a barrier for you to go. Um, But what happened, Sunny, was when I wanted to just do counseling, there were women that were not quite open or ready yet. Yeah. So then I looked and I said, how can we help women in the immediate, the physical, to then get them into dealing with the emotional? So what is step one in the program? Would you be able to run us through um, what working with you guys looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So the first step would be uh, help planning their funeral. So, you know, how do you plan a child's funeral? How do you how do you even wrap your head around honoring that child? Like it's, it's all, it feels impossible. So we help plan the funeral. Um, we'll then offer them uh, gift cards for uh, meals, groceries, um, et cetera. Uh, the third step is massage therapy, which I alluded to earlier. Uh, the fourth step is house cleaning. Um, Cause often like 
there's so much shame for a woman to not be able to maintain her home as she has mm-hmm. in the past, nor does she sometimes even care. Yeah. Um, so the fourth step is uh, cleaning. The fifth step is um, counseling. So the counseling that we're talking about, uh, the sixth step is putting them into a support group in their area. And then the last step is a peer uh, support person that can like relate to what they're going through. Was there a moment that one of those factors was more um, at play or more impactful for you? And if so, what and when? Because when you got to the last step of the um, finding other women in the same position, it sounds to me like that would be especially impactful for women. I, I, you know, I think this would be a toss up, but, and I probably, this is the first time I've ever said this. I, I actually think you're right, Sunny. For me, and now what I'm seeing is that peer person is like their lifeline. Mm-hmm. Like they, that leads as the example for them to follow that. Like, once again, if this person can make it, I can too. And how did you make it? You know? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I always say like there's strength in storytelling and in sharing. And I, I second that, that, you know, when all it takes is one person to say me too, like I've been there. Like, I mean, in any type of, of grief situation, I just, there's something about the the connection in that grief that can really lift someone. Um, so do you work with women, Noel, who are experiencing a miscarriage loss all the way through a newborn and infant? Is there like a parameter for lack of a better descriptor yeah. on uh, what moms you help and under what circumstances? Sure. So, uh, you know, the need is great, like in all areas of grief, but we are laser focused on a 20 weeks gestation, a loss that okay. happens then all the way up through two years. Oh, of- wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel blessed not to have experienced that type of loss, but there is a distinction. Um, I, I think someone who has survived that type of loss would say, beyond that period of time where the baby is more developed and um, you, you actually have to, in some cases, deliver the child. We were hearing the videos on your website. I mean, it's devastating to listen to. I can imagine, only imagine what it would be like to, to go through when you finally connect with women that your, your group has helped. uh, What is one of the first things they often say to you? (laughs) wow, like, I'm glad I found you guys, or I'm glad the hospital connected me to you guys, or that was exhausting, or, um, you know, we can do better. There's a lot of we can do better. And that dives down into uh, the healthcare system level. Um, But I think there's just a sense of relief, honestly. Yeah, I I second that. And I cannot wait to talk with both Jenna and Chris about this, what, how we can serve women better, because the focus is so often what like 99.9% of the time in the pregnancy and childbirth experience, completely baby focused, which is wonderful, but we are ignored to our detriment in, in many cases. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what improvements they think can be made to the, to the medical system to address that. What is it about the Finley Project that's different than other groups out there? If you're searching infant loss or infant loss support groups, what is it that you hope would draw people to what you guys do versus what's already out there? When you lose a child, you can't think. And when I started this, the, the philosophy was that we take a woman from the time the loss happens through all the things she has to go through. So essentially we become the brain for her when she can't think straight. Hmm. Um, and that's what's essentially different like than other things out there. Um, we help 
we're very process driven and we do, we take things step by step to, to give a sense of order when there is not a whole lot of order there. Yeah. I mean, the, the practical ways that you just outlined in the seven step holistic healing plan makes so much sense to me. Like I have never heard of a charity before bringing in a cleaning service because again, anyone who's gone through grief knows that you become static in grief sometimes that so you can't move, you can't eat, you can't, I mean, the, that you thought of this all, the cleaning services, the massage, the, the healing touch really speaks to, to me as an outsider, how different this, this really is. So I commend you for coming up with that. Was this all on your, you know, time that you came up with this or did you yeah. work with other people who kind of contributed other ideas? The thing is, um, you know, with the services, Sunny, the thing that I realized was sometimes it's not just about the service itself. It's about the hope that comes to the mom and waiting for that service to happen. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I've seen women literally so looking forward to cleaning that that's what kept them going for that day before. Or that's what mm -hmm. kept them going the morning of their cleaning. Sometimes it's just that that positive experience that helps them continue forward. Um, and as far as the actual program itself, it actually, like I said, it came from trial and error. Uh, the first person I ever tried to help, she said to me, you know, I don't, I need counseling eventually, but I've been in the Ronald McDonald house for six months. I've been taking care of my baby for six months. We don't even have food, you know, in our pantry. Our house is a disaster. Like I, I appreciate that, but like maybe down the road I can do counseling. Mm -hmm. And that's what got me thinking. She knew what she needed. And right away, it was not the big guns. It was, let me get through today. Yes. I know, Noelle, in some of the um, testimonies and material that I've seen on your website, you're an advocate for women uh, speaking up when they feel that something isn't right. Can you tell us why you're so passionate about that sentiment? I think uh, probably if you were to describe me in one way, it would be advocate. Like, although I, I, I love to like help people heal, like I'm honestly... I could shout it from the rooftop, Sunny, that women, there is no shame in using your voice and trusting your gut when something feels wrong. Um, you know, our healthcare system right now is just so bogged down with COVID. And I know so many of our providers are tired. Our nurses are tired. Everybody's tired. And I would just encourage like anybody, <clears throat> excuse me, listening today, like if they feel something that may not seem right to them, just to use their voice and advocate for themselves and for their care. Um, I mean, there's a way in, in doing it, but if you feel like something's wrong, you need to speak up. Did you ever have any personal experience not having followed your own gut? Yeah. So uh, as I shared prior, Finley died as a result of there not being um, OBGYNs on property where I delivered. Uh, my primary physicians left the property and ultimately she needed a C-section within an hour after them leaving. Um, so I was rushed into the OR, um, prepped. I was uh, made ready for this emergency C-section and Sunny, I waited and I waited and I waited. I waited almost 45 minutes for an OB to get in and get her out. Well, that's what ultimately caused her death. Mm hmm Mm -hmm. Back to anger, Noel. What I I'm ha on your behalf. What what are you feeling in that moment? Are you knowing at that forty five minute mark this there's something not right? I repeated over and over, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I knew that this was bad, um, and you know, 
after this all happened, like I, speaking of using your voice, this is why I'm saying I, I believe wholeheartedly that things happen for a reason, Sunny. And let me tell you, I fought and I pushed and I advocated and I said, this is not right. Like, how do we have in this state of the art facility and this beautiful community, how do we not have full-time coverage? Like, why was there not an OB there? Um, and, you know, years, years of convincing. Um, eventually, this hospital system did the right thing. And they, they developed an entire program that hired OBs full-time and had midwives full-time. But, um, you know, looking back, there were some, there's, there were some moments in my delivery that maybe I should have spoken up and said, this is taking too long. We need to do something. What was that feeling? So that women going through this Noel can identify those red flags when they feel them, because I always say we are trained to ignore intuition mm -hmm. to our detriment as women, which is a separate episode. But what, tell us what those red flags in your heart and your soul felt like, so that if someone, another woman feels that, whether it be in childbirth or any medical situation, that they know to scream from the top of their lungs, someone please listen. I think, I think number one, if you feel misaligned with that particular provider, like you're not speaking the same language, you're not understanding their demeanor is just triggering you or setting you off, switch, get out. That would be probably the biggest thing. Um, and then, you know, second of all, uh, you know, ask questions. There's no shame in asking questions. I think, I think some of us were taught to just trust. They know more. They went to school more or longer. They, you know, we don't want to, you know, disrespect, but there's a, there's a way to ask questions that make you put you at ease. And if you're not comfortable with their answers, then you can change. You can, you can certainly change. Do you feel now that this program has been changed and, you know, without getting too specific because I don't want to mm -hmm. get anyone in trouble legally, but yeah. do you feel that wherever this was has properly addressed the situation? And, and moreover, do you think this will have a ripple effect on other hospitals or delivery areas that maybe don't have the proper systems in place? I, the work has only just begun. And this, with that particular issue, there are hospitals all over the country that have thousands of deliveries a year that do not employ full-time OBs. And that's a question that I am encouraging anybody listening today. It's mm -hmm. not a dumb question to ask. Do you have full-time OBs on property? That is a brilliant takeaway. And uh, you're, you're telling this story, and I know of at least one other mom who experienced um, difficulties with her labor and delivery that we had come to find out only later, maybe a year plus later, it was attributed to the same thing, the lack of someone being on property to make that split second decision that ended up negatively impacting either the mom or the baby. And it, it, it enrages me really mm -hmm. I, because, you know, I mean, you, like you said, we're told you don't know best the hysterical woman, especially when you add in hormones and a pregnant mm -hmm. woman, instantly what we say becomes drivel. They're just like, well, you know, don't listen to her. She's hormonal. She, But God, if there were ever a lesson in trusting your intuition and being an advocate for yourself, this would be it. Yeah. And you know, Sunny, here's the thing. I'm a product of a delay in care, ultimately leading to a death. And there's a lot of talk right now around delays in care and things like that, especially in our community. But the reality is this, like, it doesn't transcend. I mean, I was, you know, an outspoken female, like just, but for some reason, something happened where the delay in care, delay in care did exist, and she ultimately died. So 
you know, I encourage people to advocate for helping change the process. That's the thing that I see. Sometimes people want to, um, they want to, there's a lot of talk without action, like put some action behind helping change the process. How can we individually become activists in our local areas to make sure that women and babies get better treatment? What do you encourage people to do that's easy and actionable to change this? You know, I think honestly, asking that question that I mentioned to you, I think that's an immediate, that's an immediate indicator that women are getting educated about staffing mm -hmm. um, is, is to ask that question. You know, do you guys have full-time staffing? Because they're probably going to be taken back by that question because it's very uncommon. Yeah, I can't even, I can't even tell you the amount of times that women have told me. I was told don't push, don't push till the doctor. Are you like have you have a had a child like this and that's obviously at a micro level but right. to even hearing that multiple times it shouldn't happen. You should never tell a laboring mom, you know, just hold the hold it in, hold it or no you're not right or it's just it's it's a real source of of frustration and to hear you tackling that, like you said, the process of it is encouraging. I hope that um, more hospitals and more birthing centers might hop on board with that. Yes. Before we bring on both Jenna and Chris, um, who are going to speak to sort of um, the psychotherapy or the clinical side of dealing with um, infant loss, I want to ask you, and this is a really crude way of asking this, but take it as you will, advice mm -hmm. you have. It's so general, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, advice you have. Um, sentiments you have, what the road looks ahead, looks like ahead for anyone who is um, experiencing what you went through. Oh, golly, where do I start? <laughs> That's a big one. I know. Yeah, I know. It's a big one. You know, I think um, I just, I guess I just encourage, you know, people like whether it's something big or small or your, your kids are frustrating you or your husband or your job or whatever. Like, I think it's just important to remember that, you know, we're all here still for a reason. And I think it's, it's important to look at what that reason could be. And, and truthfully, Sunny, I think for those of us that have lost children, be thankful for what you still have. Mm -hmm. Like be thankful because I'm telling you, it can all be gone in a minute. And I am a, I am a, I am a person that has seen it all be gone in a minute. And so I try to just live with true gratitude every day. What's one thing you've heard, maybe several things you've heard as a wrap up question here from someone you've worked with in the Finley project that has um, made your work feel impactful and important, even though it are, you already probably knew that it was, but anything that truly resonated with you that you heard from a mom? I've heard uh, one of the moms who, when I first saw her, I was deeply concerned, like just by the way she looked, the grief, the, the dark circles under her eyes, she could barely keep her head up. And, uh, almost a year later, I saw her recently and, you know, she just said, I never knew I could, I could feel joy again, that I could smile again and I could have hope again. So, you know, for, for me, that's what this is all about. It's that hope. Your story is, um, inspiring. And I have so much respect for you, Noel, the strength that you have. And like I said, we've met in person and you carry that presence with you, that sort of single-mindedness. So continue to do what you do. Okay, everybody, I'm hopping in here, not cutting the conversation short, but I really wanted to make sure this first episode was dedicated mainly to Noel's story and the story behind the Finley Project. So a huge, huge thank you to her for being so raw 
and so candid on this very difficult topic. As I said before, we're going to have two guests on in addition to Noelle next week, two mental health experts who work with her team, and they offer us really interesting insights on the process of grieving and how they work with patients who are going through a similar experience. Uh, there is just a ton of good information coming up next week that helps us dive into this very complex issue with um, a little more uh, emotion and perspective. So please, please come back for that episode. In the meantime, you can check out more on The Finley Project on their website, finleyproject.org, and their Instagram at The Finley Project. That's F-I-N-L-E-Y. Follow me on Instagram too, please, at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I. A-B-A-T-T-A, and we'll put all of this info, as always, in show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. It makes a huge, huge difference to this show. Tap five stars, leave a good review, make my day. Please, thank you. Uh, we're grateful to you for your time today and for our guests for sharing their stories. We'll see you back here next week on We Gotta Talk with More Goodness. Have a good one, everybody. See you soon.